You're listening to the Long's Chapel Weekly Message Podcast, available Sundays at 5 o'clock p.m. If you would like to connect to Long's Chapel or keep up with all events happening at Long's Chapel Church, connect with us via Instagram, Facebook, or on our church website, longschapel.com. Here at Long's Chapel, we believe in worshiping and serving God by reaching people and growing together as passionate followers of Jesus Christ, because all people matter to God. This week's message comes from a guest speaker. Good morning, everyone. It is an honor to be here today. I just had an epiphany. I had a moment just a minute ago that I've never had before in my life, and I want to share that with you. As I was standing there and we were singing this last song, Caroline, I looked around the room, and I'm like, I know half the people in this room. (laughs) I've never worshipped with you on a Sunday morning, but I've worshipped with you when we fed the hungry. I've worshipped with you when we took care of those dealing with homelessness. I've worshiped with you when we visited the jail and those that were struggling, that were hurting. I've never had this moment before when I looked around the room and said, I've worshiped with you many times before, just never inside this facility today. And what a wonderful opportunity to come and worship the Lord through song and through message. Although we've known each other a long time, but it's been out there taking care of other people today. We come in here to celebrate the Lord. And I feel so at home. Feel so at family, being here at Long's Chapel, and I just want to thank you for the privilege of being my family, even though this is the first time we've officially worshiped together in the house of the Lord. Isn't it amazing? Yeah, thank you, Lord. So uh, I had the opportunity to meet with Pastor Chris uh, a couple weeks ago. We had a great conversation in doing so. uh, We were catching up on our journeys just a little bit, and I was telling him about my journey. And to recap for you, I pastored for 23 years at New Covenant Church, just less than two miles down the road. And uh, I pastored there for 23 years. In 2020, uh, I did not see my transition coming. I thought I'd stay at New Covenant the rest of my career. I thought I'd be there forever. But the Lord knows what he's doing. And in 2020, some things began to happen. I put together a prayer team. It began to feel like God was leading me out from the pastorate. And I didn't see it coming at all. But the Lord was gracious. And my prayer team, we worked together and we made the transition. And I went to work. Actually, Tom Owens has a big part of my story. But I went to work for ABCCM, which is a large Christian nonprofit in Buncombe County. And my job was to go to a different church every Sunday. So my wife and I, Tina's on the front row. We would go to a different church every Sunday morning to get more volunteers and more money for ABCCM. We had, you know, three homeless shelters and free medical clinic and emergency shelters. So we needed more money, needed more volunteers from the churches to take care of the folks that were in need. And so my, our job was to go to a different church. So in the last two years, we've been to over 100 churches in 20 denominations, and we have seen the body of Christ from such a view that most people don't get that view. And I said to Pastor Chris, I said, going to all these churches and these different traditions, I said, I boiled my faith down to three things, just three things. And I mentioned them to Pastor Chris, and he says, you've got to preach that to my congregation. They, I want you to preach that to our, my congregation. How fast can I get you on the docket? And I said, well, sir, I'm fairly available. Be glad to help. And so what an honor and a privilege to be here today. And I'm going to just introduce about a couple of things before I get into my three tenets of my faith. I want to say just a couple of things to you. Uh, number one, people ask me, what's the condition of the church? I mean, you've been to 20 denominations, 100 different churches, as liberal as you can imagine to as conservative as you can imagine. And if I might just to take a moment and say this and hope that I don't get run off the stage right off the beginning. But the far, far left and the far, far right are both crazy. <laughs> all right. Just so we know just that they're both equally crazy. All right. And um, 
So people ask me, so what's the condition of the church? And I said, the church is overcoming. She's beautiful. She's visited by the presence of God every Sunday morning. How, how could you not have hope in an organization that's regularly visited by the presence of God? She's, she's got beautiful traditions and heritages and ceremonies. And whether it's high church or whether it's church out in the park or hiking church, a church we went to, uh, Fresh Expressions of the UMC is this hiking church. And we are like, we saw God every where we went, the body of Christ is beautiful. Beautiful. And she's a hot mess. I, if we're going to be honest about it, she, she's a hot mess. And, and, and I, I do not have time this, story, this morning to tell you all the stories of what we've experienced. But there's a great joy in being a career pastor and being refused communion at a Catholic church or Anglican church. There's a great joy in that. Just, just I know Jesus too. Let me in. Let me in. Or going to a church and you're 15 minutes before the service starts and you shake the front door and the sanctuary's locked. And you turn around, you didn't see any cars in the parking lot, and you wonder if you're at the wrong place on a Sunday morning. And you turn around, and you notice there's two cars way down at the bottom of the parking lot, and there's some guy down there going, come here, come down here. So we go down there, and they're like, what are you doing up there at the sanctuary? I said, I'm here to preach. I'm the guest preacher this morning. And they're like, yeah, but we haven't used that sanctuary in five years. I said, why? He says, none of us can get up those stairs. I said, Okay. All right. Or you go to a time. We've been to several churches. We couldn't figure out how to get in. I'm not kidding. We couldn't figure. We tried multiple, multiple doors to get into the sanctuary. And, and, and we didn't know there was a secret back way that only the members knew. <laughs> or you go to a church service and they've got a bulletin. And everybody's doing liturgy. They've got the whole liturgy out there. But we, didn't, we couldn't find it. So we didn't know how to participate. So we just stood. And at the end of the service, I said, hey, where do, you, where do you get that? And I said, well, everybody knows it's in the very back in the office by the copier. And I'm like, what about the new people? Right? What about the new people? Or, or one of my favorites is when they say, good morning. It looks like we have some visitors here. Would our visitors please come up on the platform and introduce yourself? <laughs> I'm not joking. Or a denomination that has a brand new pastor who comes in and realizes that the bylaws and constitution are a little outdated, but he can't get anybody to come to the business meeting. So he decides to finish the church service on Sunday morning with an official business meeting and won't let anybody leave, including the visitors <laughs> who are stuck in a business meeting in a denomination trying to rephrase what a quorum is. And, and so we, we've, we've seen a lot. She is beautiful. She is glorious. She is visited by the body, of, by the Spirit of God. And she's a hot mess trying to figure this whole thing out. And yet God still has the same plan that he has called his sons and daughters together so that he could express his love to this world. And I'm honored to be part of that part of that challenge. Uh, recently, I got one of the highest compliments I'd ever received before. Somebody mentioned me and introduced me and says, this is Nick. He pastored for 23 years at New Covenant Baptist Church. <laughs> I was like, I've never been Baptist in my life. And I was at Waynesville First Methodist a week or so ago at an event that I was doing over there. And somebody introduced me as a career Methodist pastor. And I thought, I've arrived. I'm both Baptist and Methodist. 
Hallelujah. And, and let me say this to you. I've made this comment several times and no one has yet argued with me about this, the validity of this, of this comment. Nobody preaches the gospel like our Baptist brothers and sisters. You can't go to lunch with them. You can't, they'll check your salvation. You, they, nobody <laughs> preaches the gospel like our Baptist brothers and sisters. And nobody lives the gospel like our Methodist brothers and sisters. Let me unpack that for just a minute. Our Baptist brothers and sisters believe in the value of preaching the word of God, the gospel in every single service and ask for a response. It's, it's the way they do things. Our son was selling lightning protection and he had a call to a Baptist church. When he arrived there, he said, dad, you're not going to believe what happened. I said, what happened? He said, the pastor took me out and said, before I let you give me a quote on lightning protection, I need to understand, are you saved young man? And he said, yes, sir, I am. My daddy was a pastor for 23 years. He said, I didn't ask you about your daddy. God doesn't have any grandchildren. Are you one of his children or not? And he said, daddy, I had to explain the plan of salvation to him before he'd let me give him a quote on lightning protection. I said, that sounds like a Baptist to me. But when I got to ABCCM, and I'm working at one of our crisis centers, and I ask a volunteer, where are you from? And they say, this Methodist church, that Methodist church, this Methodist church. When I watch a, a car pull up with two bags of groceries, and I'm like, where are you from? They said, we're a small Methodist church, but every Sunday we collect canned goods and stuff, and I bring them down a bag or two of groceries. It ain't much, but it's something. And I'm like, the power of two fishes and five loaves in the hand of God is amazing when everybody participates. I was recently with a Methodist pastor who was lamenting that more than 50% of the money given to their church is giving through their church back out into the community. And they were saying, we still have to pay our bills here. But our folks are so generous with the community that they're giving more out there than they give in here. Nobody preaches the gospel like our Baptist brothers and sisters, but nobody lives the gospel like our Methodists. And I'm honored and blessed to know both of them and to operate and function and to see how God is using the kingdom. Before I get into my sermon, one last thing. I have to say this. This means the world to me. I remember one time as a young pastor, I was measuring attendance and our finances and salvations and all the stuff to see if we were being successful as a church. And I remember one time that um, it might have been Chuck Wilson. I go back to Rob Fuquay and Chuck Wilson and Chris Westmoreland a long time. And I remember that I began to redefine success as a church is if, the, if we were to disappear, would the community even care? Would the community even notice? I stopped measuring by attendance, by finances, but by our impact in the community. The church is the only organization that exists for people outside of its membership. We exist to care for the people outside of us. And I, and I began to really try to make New Covenant very uh, relevant to our community, to every person that lives in our community. And, and I can say this to you with my whole heart. If Long's Chapel did not exist, there would be a hole in this community the size and the shape of Long's Chapel. In my years of service to this community, the church that was my biggest supporter, my biggest ally, my biggest cheerleader was Long's Chapel. Whenever we got ready to do something in this community, I would not dare move forward without checking with the leadership of Long Chapel to see if this is what God is saying and doing. And then we would decide yes or no, and we would move as one. 
I remember one time sitting in a staff meeting on a Monday morning at a church had been flooded the night before, a church that was paid off but did not have insurance and their roof was destroyed. And somebody on my staff says, we have the money, we should go ahead and replace this other church's roof. It's what God would do, it's what the kingdom demands, we should buy that roof for this other church. And we got all excited about doing this and how we were going to do it and somebody raised their hand on my staff. And I said, what? And they said, it would be a shame for us to do this and not include Long's Chapel. Long's Chapel would want a piece of this. They would want to partner with us to replace the roof on this other church. We cannot rob them of this opportunity. So we immediately called over to the staff here. Within 24 hours, the answer is you pay half, we'll pay half. Thank you for including us in this wonderful opportunity to show the love of Jesus to another church right down the road. This church has been incredible to our community. And I know you've been through a lot, but let me tell you, your best days are just ahead of you. The Lord has set you here in this community. This community cannot move without you. It needs you. And I'm so honored by the people in this church and what you give and what you do for this community. And it doesn't even matter what's happened in the past. It's prepared you for where you are today. And God's plan for this church is greater than it's ever been before. And this community needs you. And I'm here for no other reason to represent the people that you have served, that you have helped, and to say, we still need you. We need you and we want you and we respect who Long's Chapel is. And I have the great privilege of being here to share a word, but to share encouragement for who you are because you're so important to this community. Thank God Long's Chapel belongs here because without you, this community would be in a different place. So I honor you and I thank you for your partnership with me over the years. I'd like, to t- I'd like to just take a few minutes and, and preach on my three tenets of the faith. Um, number one is God is love. And those who are running the slides, if you could help me in my scriptures, I don't have them in my notes, so if you could pull them up real quick. Uh, you know, I've, I, as I go around to all these 100 different churches, all these 20 denominations, everybody's got a different statement of faith. And at the end of the day, I just boiled all my down to three. You can agree with my three, disagree with my three. I might add a fourth at some point, give me permission. But at this point in my life, there are three things that matter to me. Three. And I focus on what we have in common, not how we disagree. That's, that's, that's my strength. I focus on what we have in common. Number one is that God is love. Go ahead and pull up the scriptures real quick. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. It's not just what he does, it's who he is. He's incapable of responding to us in any way without first checking with love. He is love. Next scripture. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says you'll love your neighbor as yourself. Next scripture. And then Jesus later on changes this and, 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 and ups the ante. I, by the way, if you don't know this yet, when the Lord deals with you about something, 
he usually deals with the maximum amount we can deal with right now. I mean, he challenges us. And we, we rally up all the strength we have to deal with what he's asking us to deal with. But then he comes back a year later and asks for more. Have you ever noticed that about Jesus? He always asks for more. So he does it here in this passage. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I've loved, oh, as I've loved you. Wait a minute. That's not the same as how you love yourself. Don't just love your neighbor as you love yourself. Jesus is like, wait a minute. You've walked with me for three and a half years. Now you know what real love is like. I have loved you. Now I don't ask you to love them like you love yourself. I'm asking you to love them like I've loved you. And the longer we walk with the Lord, the more love is required of us. What's required of the church of Jesus Christ? Love. Above everything else, love. And he says, love, uh, that you love one another as I've loved you and that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. Next script. So here's a couple of thoughts. God is love. I, it's fascinating to me when I'm around people like I was watching a YouTube video recently and there was a pastor who made some statements and there were some Christians that thought it was their job to crucify him. You ever seen those? Right, right. And so they said, okay, God tells us to love the sinner, but hate to sin. So we're going to talk about that today. And I said, praise the Lord. We're going to learn how to love the sinner. This is going to be awesome. And yet they took the whole hour to talk about how to hate the sin. And I'm like, listen, if we would get love the sinner right first, we'd have more authority to talk about some other stuff. But we miss the main thing. And if you don't miss get the right thing, if you don't get the main thing right, then you're never going to get the privilege of talking to the sinner about their sin. We've got to show them love. Our job is to show love. And, And here's one of the examples that I give to that is the word gospel in the New Testament means good news. Good news. Have you ever heard a preacher use the word of God and it didn't sound like good news? I've seen preachers beat this stuff out of people using this book. Or go after a political party. Or go after a group in the church without calling them by name. I've heard people shame people in the God, into the kingdom. I've heard people fear people into the, God, into the kingdom. Listen, if it don't sound like good news, it ain't the gospel. This is that simple. And if it doesn't sound like love, it ain't God. And I know ain't's not a good word. I heard somebody say one time that speaking the truth without love isn't really truth. If your motivation isn't love, then it's something else. It's fear, manipulation, it's hurt, wounds, something. The truth not spoken in love is not really the truth. So the gospel is the good news. And we need to share it. Number two, he says, the world will know you are my disciples by your love one for another. And then he goes on, if you'll pull up this, this circle of, of, of love, this has been one of the great challenges that I have faced. Next slide. One of the great challenges that I have faced is I've looked at love. I, I look at this graph right here, and, and, and if Jesus says the number one thing we have to do is love God, love others, love ourselves. Love God, love others, love ourselves. I've looked at this circle and I've asked myself, well, where does it begin? Where do I start? Do I start by loving myself? If I love myself appropriately, well, I have more bandwidth to be able to love God and love other people. Or maybe I start with the hardest of all, loving other people. What if I can learn to love other people? Or what do I start with God? Did I, if I love God, then I'm able to love other people? Where does this circle begin? I mean, it's hard to figure out where it goes. Well, next slide tells us the answer. We love because he first loved us. 
There's a love from God that comes outside the circle, that comes into our circle, that empowers us to love. I can love God better if I can receive God's love for myself. If I wake up in the morning and I realize that he's smiling over me, not mad at me, he's smiling over me because I am his beloved and he loves me, that supernatural love agape that he gives to me, now I can, it's introduced into the circle. Now, whether I'm loving myself or loving my neighbor or loving God, I have the power to do that because I've received supernatural agape love from God and it all begins from there. And that's an important point. Next thing. And it says this, I had an epiphany one time when I was in Egypt. I was teaching a master's level leadership class in Egypt. I was talking to the class and I was just making a joke with them. And I said, God loves us all equally. I'm just his favorite. <laughs> and and I, I want everyone in the room to have that feeling. I want you to know that you are his favorite. And I, I said, I, God loves every one of us equally, but I'm his favorite. And a female minister in the room raised her hand and said, I'd like to disagree with you. I said, well, how would you disagree? Obviously, I'm his favorite. <laughs> and she says, no, I want to disagree with you that God does not love us each, each equally. And I said, interesting. I don't know how in the world theologically you're going to bring this, but I am so interested right now. What do you mean God does not love us equally? And she said, God does not love us equally he loves us uniquely to the maximum amount we can receive. And the more you can receive, the more you can experience his love, and therefore the more you can love other people. But some of us are hurt or have been rejected, have walked through pains and, and loss and trauma, and, and our, our tank to receive God's love is very small. He's gracious, he's generous, and he tops us off to the maximum amount that we can handle. But as we grow and walk with the Lord and we walk in spiritual disciplines and unpack unforgiveness and hurts and wounds, our tank expands and allows God to love us to the highest level that we can handle. And in that moment, we're able to love more than we were able to love when we were younger. God doesn't love you equally. He loves you uniquely. Think about your kids. We don't love them all equally. We love them uniquely. They're all unique and different and, and need a different kind of love and one of the things that our job is, is to be the beloved so that we can love other people well. Next one. We are the beloved, and that's the highest calling we have, is to be loved. We are the testimony of God's goodness on this earth. When people look at us and know who we used to be and recognize who we are in the image of Christ Jesus. My job is to open myself up to the greatest level that I can to be loved of God so that the love of God is the prominent display of his character in my life. So that when people see me, they said, hey, I run into, to, uh, what was that guy's name again? I ran into Nick at Food Line. I, 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 for a minute, I thought it was God, but then I realized it was just Nick, you know, but it was, sort of looked like God, but it was sort of Nick. And, and, and that's the hope is that in creation, they get, they get confused and they're just like, it was God for a moment, then it was Nick for a moment, but then it was God for a moment. And that's, he's left his children here to display his love to this world. And the number one thing I can do is not acts of service, but to receive the love of God. So I have the ability to then express the love of God back to God, back to my neighbor 
and back to myself. And the last piece is this. How do we love our neighbor? Sorry, there was one more there. How do we love our neighbor, our enemy? How do we love our enemy? I went to one of the most liberal churches in Asheville, and I'm not going to tell you which one it was. <laughs> but I had some questions walking in to how, what this was going to be like. I went. Tina was not with me that Sunday. I went in. And I, I, I sat down and somebody sat next to me and they were warm and they were friendly and it was a great service. And then the, the minister got up and she said, today I'm going to teach you how to love your enemies. I thought this is going to be interesting. And she began to talk about who some of those enemies were. And I began to understand if you're a very progressive church and those are your enemies, how hurtful and harmful some of the conversation, particularly since 2020 has been. And she stood up and she said something I've never heard before. And she said, listen, the only way you can truly love your enemy is to look past the flesh that represents the things you don't like. To the speck of deity of which they were created in the likeness and the image of God and connect with that. The finished product that was birthed in heaven in the heart of God, made in the likeness and image of God, that speck of deity, and connect with them in that spirit realm and see them for who God is making them to be, that's how we can love our enemy. But if we continue to try to love them through the arguments we disagree with, their worldview or their behavior or anything else, we're going to fail. But what we have to do is look beyond that to... God's original intent and that all of us were made in the image of God. I remember one time the Lord asked me to pray for my enemies. And I said, Lord, you don't want me praying for my enemies today. Oh, we'd be calling down some fire and brimstone or whatever. You don't want me praying for my enemies today. I don't trust myself to pray for my enemies today. And the Lord was gracious. And he said, can I teach you how to pray for your enemies? I said, I'd love to know how to pray for my enemies. He said, every time you get ready to pray for your enemy, interject one of your son's names in the same sentence and pray for him at the same time. And you'll not be able to pray harm upon your enemy anymore. Pray the same blessings over your enemy that you're praying over your sons or even your grandsons. If you got grandbabies, you know what I'm talking about. Can you imagine praying the same blessings over your enemies that you're praying over your grandbaby? That's what love does. Love goes above and beyond. And we as the carriers of God's love have to be the example to a world of what it looks like to love other people. Number two. So I, I want to say this. If the church could get number one right, everything else falls into place. God is love. We, we have got to get back to love and then demonstrating love that has nothing to do with behavior. It has to do with God's goodness for our earth and that he's left us here with a mission. Number two, relationships are the operating system of the kingdom. The way the kingdom of God works is relationship. The devil knows this and that's why he hates for us to walk in unity. Uh, Psalm 133 says that God commands his blessings among unity. And the devil hates unity. He hates it and he's constantly trying to divide us apart. Why? Because relationships are the operating system of the kingdom. I'd rather disagree with you theologically on any issue and remain your friend than anything else. Relationship to me is more important than being right. I don't care who's right. I care about being in a relationship with you. Because when I'm in a relationship with you, you benefit, I benefit, the kingdom benefits. You think about Jesus for a minute. If you were to ask most folks what Jesus' powerful primary ministry was, they'll say this book, 
They'll say that Jesus' teachings of the New Testament were, were the highlight of his ministry and career. And I disagree with that. And a couple of thoughts on that. Number one, the canonized New Testament didn't even exist in the first century. It didn't even exist as Holy Scripture. I would say to you that Jesus' ministry was bigger than the book. Jesus' primary ministry that turned the world right side up was his ministry to 12 men. And a group of women who supported his ministry. And a group of disciples who had been healed or delivered. The ministry through relationship to those people turned the world right side up. The relationship, not the truth about what was preached in the book, but the way he loved them, the way he walked with them, the way he showed them, is through relationship that God moves the kingdom forward. I can be pastor a church and partner with another church that sees theology different than I see it. As long as the core things are good, who cares? Let's work together. Let's have relationship. Let's think the body is one body, but many parts. And I love that about the body of Christ. And, and, and go into a Seventh-day Adventist church or uh, go into a Messianic Jewish church, an Anglican church, an Episcopalian or Catholic, an Independent Baptist. I mean, go into all these churches. And seeing God's hand moving in each part of the body has caused us to have a value of the body of Christ that's far higher than I ever had before. We tend to think that our way is the best way, but sometimes when we get out and see all the other ways, we say, yep, God's still moving in all these different directions. Relationship is the operating system of the kingdom. It's how God works. And here's a little, a little tool that the Lord showed me one day is he was showing me about he asked me this question. He says, when Jesus came to earth, did he cease to walk in relationship with God the Father and God Holy Spirit? No. When Holy Spirit came to earth, did he cease to walk in relationship with God the Father, God Holy Spirit? No. The three of them are in perfect unity. Why did God not make him just one being? He chose to be Trinity. He is Trinity. It's three parts of God had all equally submitted to each other. But here's the crazy thing. Whether you're in heaven on that side of eternity or you're on earth on this side of eternity, you can be in relationship with God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, and Jesus. Right here, right now, we can have relationship on the other side of the veil with eternity. You agree with that? Watch this. This is power. So when you are in right standing with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, but you're still on your earth assignment here, and you create relationship with someone over here, you actually pull them into your relationship that you're having with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. You can't separate it. I'm having a relationship with them. And so when I have a relationship with you, my relationship with them spills over into you. I remember one time the Holy Spirit said to me, go love on that person over there. And I said, oh, good. We'll love on them. Then we'll tell them about Jesus. Then we'll win him to the Lord and I'll baptize them this Sunday. And the Lord said, I didn't ask you to do all that. And I said, excuse me. And he said, I just said, go love on them. And I said, I don't understand. He said, that Nick, that person has never experienced the agape love of God in their entire life. If you go give that, it'll be enough. I'll take care of everything else. Just go do that right there. God is love and relationship is the operating system of kingdom. And number three is a little controversial and I don't care. That's fine. You might push back on me a little bit. But number three is honor is the currency of the kingdom. 
You say, Nick, what do you mean by that? Well, in a world that we live in that shows so little honor, that, that is so volatile and disruptive and dismissive, it's time for the church to begin to show honor. And I just want to walk you through a couple of things. Number one, the Bible is very clear that he tells children, honor your mother and father. Let me ask you a question. Is there any perfect mothers and fathers in the earth? How many of us mothers and fathers said, oh, Jesus, I gave you something to work with. I, I did my best, but I came up short. They're going to need you, Jesus. They're going to need you, right? The Bible very clearly tells children to love and I'm sorry, to honor your mother and father. Why? So that it will go well with you. Because if you honor your mother and father, things are going to go well with you. There's a payoff. There's a benefit. Romans 13 says, honor all authorities. They are my servants. Why? To do you good. I have set authority in the land to do you good. And when you honor that authority, it will do you good. The Bible talks about receiving a prophet in the name of a prophet. You receive the prophet's reward. So the concept here is that whatever we honor we get to make a withdrawal from. So when I'm running with some of my denominational brothers and sisters and they're like, well, I don't believe in women in ministry. And I'm like, that's fine. Then you don't get to take a benefit of anything they have to share. I do. So I'm going to reap all I can out of our, the gift that's in our women that are in ministry. When we rule out a denomination, when we have such a jaded perspective of life that we know more who we stand against and who we stand for, you're limiting how, different ways God can bless you. If we honor our parents for doing the best job they could, they weren't perfect, they did the best they could, but we honor our parents, God, our parents might not even bless us, but God causes his blessing to come upon us. When we honor authority, even if we don't agree with them, when we honor authority, God causes a blessing to come upon us. When we receive people in their gifting, we don't have to like them, we don't have to respect them, but if we can see the gift of God on their life and make a withdrawal from it, we benefit from that. And one of the things we need more in the kingdom is honor, showing honor to one another. So when Pastor Chris said, hey, could you come fill in for me one Sunday morning? I said, oh, I got things to say about Long's Chapel. I'm an outside testimony. And in fact, I hope one day, if, if, I, you know, we know the Bible talks about every one of us going to stand before the Bema seat. I get that. But he might call us out by churches too. I don't know. But if he ever says Long's Chapel front and center, I'm going to step up to the podium and I'm going to be a testifier. And I'm going to say, I'd like to take a moment, Your Honor, and I'd like to testify. I was an independent, spirit-filled church without any affiliations local, and they took me in. I did the best I could to do this community, and I never did it alone because Long's Chapel was always there. I walked out in the community, and I never felt like that we were doing anything by ourselves because Long's Chapel was already there when I showed up. In fact, there were many things I had on my heart I never had to do because they were already doing it. Why would we duplicate services? If I could testify to the Father, I would say, I've seen your son Jesus and he lives at Long's Chapel. I've seen your son Jesus and he leaves Long's Chapel on Sunday morning. He goes out in the community and he helps those that are dealing with substance abuse and mental health issues and homelessness. <clears throat> I've seen Jesus at Long's Chapel. And they left the building and brought unity to the body of Christ because they recognized we're one body but many parts. One of the highlights and privileges of my life is standing here today 
to somehow try to articulate a gratitude that I've carried for two decades for this church because of all that you've inspired me, but also all that you've supported me, and also for all that you represent in this community. And I can't help but believe that your best days are just ahead. Just ahead. So Father, we sit here in this room today, we're reminded of your faithfulness to our past, but also, Lord, by faith. We ask your faith would rise up for our future. That you've proven yourself faithful. We know who you are and we've watched your hand move. But this morning, we recognize that our best days are just ahead of us. And may we lean on your faithfulness to stir up the gift of faith so that as we lean into our future, that we are completely confident that you will be with us in our future as you have been in our past. And that we as a church are not alone. We have brothers and sisters just down the road, just over the mountain. And Father, that we don't stand here alone, but we stand on the cloud of witnesses that have gone before us. And we stand with our brothers and sisters that are in the game today. And we continue to raise up the next generation that will outlive all of us. But your glory, your glory come to Haywood County. Your kingdom come. Your will be done in Western North Carolina as in heaven. We love you and we thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all. Thanks for joining the Long's Chapel Message Podcast. If you connected in any way with us via this podcast, we invite you to connect further by either leaving a rating and review down below or contacting us via our church website at longschapel.com. Here at Long's Chapel, we believe in worshiping and serving God by reaching people and growing together as passionate followers of Jesus Christ because all people matter to God. See you next week.